back, everyone. You're watching We Heart Therapy, the special series EFT Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Annabelle Bugatti, licensed marriage and family therapist and certified EFT supervisor and therapist in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> and I'm so excited to welcome back to our show one of our favorite EFT trainers. We have George Fowler. He's one of the founders. He is the founder of NYSEF, the New York Center for Emotionally Focused Therapy. And he's an EFT trainer, supervisor, and therapist, as well as a former firefighter. So we always love to tap into his wealth of knowledge when it comes to frontline workers. And um, we're super excited to welcome George back. We're talking about working with anger. And ah. you guys, yeah, you guys have probably caught a few of our previous episodes talking about highly escalated couples or working with emotion. And this time we're actually talking about anger in and of itself. And uh, so, George, thanks again for being back with us today. Good to be with you, Annabelle. So tell us a little bit more about why anger can be so off-putting for folks. Even therapists, when, they, when it's not even directed at them, but they see it in the therapy room where maybe one client goes at it with their spouse. For me, it's like two extremes. On the one hand, you have out-of-control anger, right, where a therapist needs to take charge and needs to stop abuse and really stop bad things from happening. And, and so often, that's what therapists think of anger, right? It's It stops safety. It really makes people, you know, you can't do work if, if anger is out of control, Right. But, you know, that's a very narrow definition of anger. And the other extreme, I want to I want to be able to befriend anger. There's so many things about anger that are healthy and necessary. So we want to be able to honor that while still be able to take control when it gets outside the range of being safe. Yeah, I, I like that point is that when most people think of anger, they think about a control anger. And. And I kind of also think. A lot of my supervisees or clinicians, when I hear them, just when they hear or experience someone get angry around them or in the therapy room, they just automatically feel out of control, even though the anger in and of itself might not be out of control. Can you speak to that feeling? The feeling of being out of control? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of, most of us are raised raised to kind of turn turn off emotion right there be when our parents are yelling at us it's usually a scary thing you know when somebody's yelling at us it's you know so that sense of if you if this anger grows really bad things are going to happen so we got to gain control of anger we got to push it down we got to try to talk people out of it and i think therapists certainly adapt this you know we want to get to vulnerability we want to get to sadness so it seems so counterintuitive to explore anger or to kind of come alongside of it we want to get people where we want them to be not where they actually are at so i think it's that fear of the overwhelmed that anger can lead to that stops most people's curiosity yeah, I really like that, that idea. And we don't explore anger. I mean, what's the number one response when someone starts getting really angry? Calm down. <laughs> Has that any ever actually worked on anybody? You know, I think it's a low percentage intervention, but sometimes <laughs> it, sometimes people just hear that they're being too much and it snaps them and they can make that shift. For a lot of people, you know, it, it's not serving the message of what the anger is trying to do. Mm, yeah. I'm thinking like whenever I've been angry, if somebody says, calm down, I'm like, 
gee, okay, great idea. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that just never happens. What do you mean I am calm, Annabelle? What are you talking about? You should calm down. Right? I've heard that too. <laughs> it's so funny. I think that to me, that's, that's the biggest takeaway. When, when I'm working with anger, I really do want to shift and stretch people's framework of seeing anger, right? It's healthy. You got the side of it that anger can get out of control and can cause a lack of safety. And therapists have to be able to see that and intervene if that's the case, yeah. right? And can you see the good? I want to really help therapists get more specific around anger. Most of the time, what I see is therapists, they pay lip service to it. It's like, I get you're angry. I get you're frustrated, but let's get to the real stuff underneath. And like, they just try to bypass the, the anger, right? Yeah. And yet, anger can mean a million different things. How do we really get that specificity is the you know, big term in therapy now. The more specific people can get, the more control they actually have over it. So how, do we, how about we take a couple of minutes to just try to understand what could be the function of anger in different clients? Yeah. How would a therapist kind of overcome their own, their own feelings that come up on the inside around anger so that they can lean in and get really curious about the anger and start to unpack it with the client? We could do a whole nother show on the self and the therapist. <laughs> right? But I think that that if the therapist can name that, what you just described, right? They've been trained. We come from families that maybe don't do anger. So this is a harder thing to lean in and get curious about. So if you can name that your own and give yourself a felt marker, like where do you feel that nervousness? Like what's your action tendency to get curious about our own emotion, emotional response to the anger? Like, do you want to go away? Do you want to kind of start talking? Do you freeze? Like, what is our action tendency? But I think when therapists get curious and they start recognizing, well, whoa, I freeze up. Then they can start coming up with some strategies to start leaning into these areas that they tend to go away from. Yeah, knowing their own, like, does it activate their fight mode? Does it activate their flight mode? I know some therapists will tend to go into people pleasing mode, like, oh, shoot, if the client's angry, then I'm not doing a good job and I need to try to appease them right now. You know, or for me, I grew up with big brothers. So when somebody gets angry, it activates fight mode for me. I was taught how to fight back. And you can imagine when I was a young intern and I figured this out, I was like, uh, this isn't going to bode so well for that therapeutic alliance. <laughs> Well, it would be good for you when you have to take charge and you have to yeah. stand in, right? That's where it's helpful. But yeah. you know, I, I love polyvagal when Stephen Porges just breaks down the different brain zones. Like, and when people are in that fight or flight yellow zone, they're not capable of being curious or empathetic or responsive and listening. So we're no different. Like, how do we recognize those yellow zone states and find ways of calming ourselves to get us back into that more curious? Because anger needs curiosity. And most therapists are not curious when they see anger in a room. So we have to do a better job of training therapists how to stay curious. And one of the best ways of knowing how to do that is to understand many different possibilities of what anger. Don't just use one general statement like anger and think that describes everything. No, let's get really specific. Yeah, I think, too, with anger, you know, what I learned, and, and I think I actually learned this from you, George, that anger really is about pain and it's really about fear. And so when I figured out that when people were getting angry, they were just showing me their pain, they were showing me their fear, 
then I learned not to be so freaked out by anger. And it was way more freeing. And now it's like, when I see anger, I know that I've struck something important like gold. And so then I'm able to lean in and get curious, like, okay, I know I just hit on something really important because I just saw you like really start to upregulate or saw your body change or the tone of your voice started to get more aggressive or louder or stronger, you know, or maybe you turned and started lashing out at your partner. It's so important that that anger is live emotion. It's just showing itself in a defensive way, right? So underneath it, there's something. I think most therapists don't push too fast to get to the fear and the hurt and the pain. And yes, that's important. But really that leap from, ouch, you hurt me, to now I'm mad at you. Like, why do people go towards anger? What is the function? How do we organize that? How do we help? So like for some people, anger is just a protest, right? It's trying to express the unfairness. Like you came home late. That hurt me. So my body wants to let you know that's not okay. There's a protest. That that could be my anger or maybe my anger. So I'm going to just rattle off some different possibilities of anger. Is that okay? So it could be unfairness. That's a big one. That's a common one. Another one we often get to is anger is trying to bring attention to something that needs to change, right? It's, it's, we can't keep doing the same thing. I need a different move and I need you to hear what I'm saying and listen. So anger is really trying to bring the attention, you know, to what needs to change. For other people, anger is hope, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it, they believe that expressing what they have to do is going to motivate their partner, right? So they actually, as they're speaking, their body's feeling hopeful. Their body often feels empowered. They feel in control. They feel like, you know what, I have a right to say what I say. You know, that, that, that's a much stronger emotion than sitting in that more helpless feeling. Yeah. For some people, it's an escape from the pain, right? When you ouch, and I don't know how to talk about my ouch, the act of getting angry gets me away from feeling so vulnerable, right? That's a very adaptive, when it's not safe to be vulnerable, anger gets you away from feeling vulnerable, right? So there's what I'm really trying to do. If you would, be, if I'm working with you and you're going to get angry right now, my brain's going to say, what, what are, what's the purpose of your anger, right? Everyone's anger is different. We can't make assumptions. I get your anger. Let's get to that primary emotion. No, let's understand the anger. It's so nuanced, right? And when you really listen to the anger and respect it and get curious about it, that's what it wants, it yeah. starts to, you know, it starts to calm. There's so many good things what you're saying. And, and I just kind of want to validate. I think when I was learning EFT, some, a message that I had maybe implicitly gotten, or maybe it was very explicitly, it seemed in the early days um, that you want to like kind of bypass that, yes. that reactive emotion and get to the primary. And, and a lot of clients would block me and I couldn't understand why I couldn't get down to their pain until I figured out how important it is to lean in and understand the anger that when you bypass their pain, it feels like they're being dismissed. And that anger is really like a plea to be heard, like, please understand me in this place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I learned to, for myself, kind of applying it to myself you know, to apply the relentless empathy, you have to sit in someone else's shoes. So think of a time when I as a therapist, or just as a person have ever been really angry. And, 
you know, what would happen if somebody just kind of dismissed my anger? What would happen? It would get louder. I'd get stronger, right? Because I wouldn't feel heard. And so I learned like when I get angry, could I even lean into my own anger and recognize I, I have a good reason why I'm feeling angry? Can I even understand that? And I noticed even in myself, when I would say that and kind of lean in, I would start to calm down. And then I could get clearer on my message and then turn to my partner, even if I would say I'm really angry and I'm really hurt right here, but I was able to deliver it in a much calmer way without attacking or anything. But it really required me to lean in and recognize, hey, you have a good reason to be angry. You know, let's find out that really good reason. And and I would be able to say, oh, I didn't feel important here. I felt taken advantage of, or, you know, you're right. It's like this plea to understand me. Maybe I'm saying it's not okay. You know, maybe I'm, and this is the other thing I've learned from you too, George, is kind of in exploring the function, you can kind of start to figure out is, is this an anger of a proximity seeking or a distance seeking, right? Mm -hmm. Because kind of like that mouse song on Vimeo is like, I get angry because I love you, right? I get mean because I love you. And it's like, even though it's counterintuitive when people get angry and lash out at somebody, the person who's on the receiving end is like, I don't want any part of that. They're, they're here and you don't like me very much because you're criticizing me. You're calling me names. You're saying hurtful things. I don't want to be in that fire. Right. So they go away, but the person using anger, if it's the closeness seeking, a lot of times they're using anger as a way to try to get a reaction from their partner or get a different reaction. So it's like, I'm trying to get you to turn and engage with me, even if I have to lash out and use something hurtful because a non-response is more traumatizing than a painful response. My, my brain at least knows what to do with that negative response. It doesn't know what to do with a, with a no response, but you could, if you're the, the distant seeking, right. And, and I think a lot of people get kind of confused when they have a withdrawer who gets really angry and hostile at their pursuing partner. And I kind of thought of it this way. So withdrawers usually go into flea mode. They like to get away from the fire. Well, let's just say if you are in war, if you're fighting a battle and you're trying to retreat into your fortress and there's an enemy coming up on you and they're firing their weapons at you, sometimes the best thing you can do is turn and throw a grenade at them to get them to stop firing at you so you can run away. <laughs> so that's how I learned. I figured out how to get to that function of, of the withdrawing the distance seeking anger in withdrawers. It's, it's so helpful because you're getting curious about in this moment, what is the purpose of this anger? They're not all the same, right? And as you help people get clearer and more specific, it meets the message of that emotional signal, and then it could shift to something else. We don't need to talk people out of their anger. We just need to help them understand what it's about. So I like your image of a soldier. I use that a lot too when I'm thinking of somebody's anger. It's like it's a loyal soldier that I that is right alongside of them, right? And if they need that, great. To go ahead and protect me, but can you move aside, right, if it feels safe? And that's what we're trying to do with anger. We're trying to understand it has a good purpose. It's trying to protect, right? And sometimes it just gets overused, right? And we're trying to create that flexibility for our clients to have more choice in this matter because over time, the choice gets taken away. 
Yeah. And I find that's such a good point that when people say that they get kind of freaked out around anger, or they don't like people's anger, really what they're talking about is the angry behavior, not mm -hmm. the angry emotion. And so when we give people more flexibility in their anger, you know, we're not trying to say, don't be angry. Your anger obviously is saying something important, but when we have flexibility, you can choose how to express that anger. And for a lot of clients that I've worked with, when they haven't had that flexibility, they've ended up behaving in ways that were not in line with who they wanted to be or the kind of person they want to be. They Sometimes they would feel like a monster, even though in their anger and their pain, that was the very thing they were trying to fight. Like, don't see me as a monster. And they get into this dilemma where they realize when I'm at my angriest, I start to behave like a monster. And that's yeah. really sucks because that's not who I really am. No, but that's a, a realistic a lot of people are afraid of befriending anger because there is a lot of anger that taken to the extreme could really lead to some bad, evil things, right? right? So uh, most change happens throughout human history when people do access their anger and stand up against injustice. So that's the healthy part of it. But if you stand up too much or it kind of gets too heavy, then it becomes really unhealthy. And as a therapist, you got to navigate both sides of that. Yeah, yeah. And so if let's just say if you're a client, because I found a lot of the general public have started watching these videos. But if you're somebody, even even you're you're a therapist who's sitting here trying to understand more about their own anger, what would you kind of recommend for people when they start to experience a lot of anger so that they can start to get control of it on their own if that's what they're trying to do? Yeah, I think the most important thing, which is what a therapist is doing when they try to get curious, is you want to name it. You want to be able to give your frontal cortex a chance to try to make sense and get more specific, right? And getting specific, like I'm angry because you're not listening. I'm angry because you don't care. I'm angry because, you know, it hurts. I'm angry because it like as I get curious and more specific and I, I name the anger. You know, now I got a chance to kind of lean into it to get more specific. I think most of us just act on the anger and we, we don't even understand it ourselves. I mean, all of a sudden my wife says, so, and I'm just kind of unloading back. I don't even, it moves too quickly. These emotional triggers are too fast, right? So slowing down that process, we want to have to name it. And two, I always want to give myself a physical marker. Like, is that anger in my fists? Is that anger mostly in my head? Can I feel the heaviness on my shoulders? Like when I name it and I feel it in my body, all of a sudden now I'm like, what is this? Right? I, and as I get more specific, now I could, you know, I probably could find more better ways of expressing it, more direct ways than that just overwhelmed, just kind of yeah. throwing it out there, anger. Yeah, I do. I have, I have a couple of clients that, when they get super angry, they, they call it, kind of call it the Hulk. That's the side right. of them that comes out and, um, you know, trying to like get that physical marker in their body has been something really different and new for them. And, and even, you know, I always, whatever I help my clients do, I like to try it on myself because it's going to be so much easier to, to talk to somebody about that process if I've gone through it. And so, I think when I paid attention to anger it's, and by tuning into your body, you can almost see it coming. 
And it's like, I could feel like a heat wave of adrenaline, like just pour over me. And then it's like, I feel my body ratcheting up like, like a powerhouse. (laughs) Right. It's like, Oh no, you're not. You could just feel your body. Right. Yes. Yes. So I know to be able to understand this place has been super powerful for me just to even get control over these things. And it's, it's been helpful for a lot of my clients as well. So what other strategies might you recommend, George? Well, I think that's the, the, the main one, you know, just being able to name it and get more curious. And then you have your basics, you know, breathing exercises, working out, you know, things that you can do that always are just about, if you can't control your anger, then it's the repair afterwards, I think, that we've learned so many lessons, you know, to be able to say, hey, listen, I'm sorry, it happened too quick for me, but let's have this conversation, right? It's, it's never too late to learn the lessons, to get curious. A lot of people can't do it when it's happening, but they can afterwards. So that's really would be my encouragement to people listening, that learn your lessons. You, you didn't understand your own anger. If you don't understand that, I guarantee your partner doesn't understand it. Yeah. Right? So the work you couldn't do in that moment, do the work afterwards. Try to get specific on what that anger was really about. I mean, with a lot of people, their anger is passive aggressive. It comes across in sarcasm. It comes across, you know, in, in, a, in a little facial expression. Little pokes. Right? Little, little posts, a little jab, like it has the same purpose as bigger anger. I mean, there's so many degrees of anger that we haven't given it enough credit. We haven't, we haven't spent enough time really appreciating the nuances, the spectrum of which anger can show itself. Yeah. And anger is super, super important. And it really like rallies the body into energy. Even my withdrawing clients will still feel their body ratchet up, but they're like hit, trying to hit the brakes, right? Because they don't want to act out in a certain way when they get angry, they want to protect their loved ones. But it's like anger in and of itself is very adaptive from even an evolutionary standpoint. It's, it's yeah. there to help your body have the energy it needs to fight for something, whether that's injustice or, you know, hurt or fear, you know, your body knows that it needs that energy to go into protection. And so, yeah. you know, to just kind of bypass or dismiss it or shut it down. but You know, I think the key point that you said too, George, is to learn the lessons. It's, you know, if you're afterwards, you repair, you know, and I've had this come up with a lot of clients. It's like, okay, well, we can understand your anger after, but then you're not really learning the lesson or letting yourself be impacted by the pain that may be the, the behavior. Like if you're breaking things, throwing things across the room or lashing out at your partner and you're hurting other people in your anger you know, if you're not letting yourself be impacted by that, then the next time you get angry, it's like you didn't learn the lesson. You know, it's it's not just to know what your anger is about, but it's to be able to apply that the next moment that it starts to come up so that you have that flexibility and don't just get stuck reacting in ways that cause even more hurt. And this was something really important for me as a person because I used to struggle with anger a lot. And as a kid, I had a lot of anger issues and, and I figured out that a lot of it had to do with um, kind of the religious values that my um, church, that my family kind of brought up with like children should be seen and not heard. And I was always a really bright kid and, and kind of mouthy and <laughs> I wanted to be heard, you know, 
And so having someone constantly trying to shut it down, say, no, you don't have a voice or you don't deserve to have a voice because your kid, you don't know anything really left me feeling really angry all the time. Like I couldn't get understood. And so, you know, but not having anyone teach me how to do angry in a functional way, how to understand that emotion and, and express it differently, then it just over time got worse, got really dysregulated. And I would say things or lash out in ways that were super hurtful. And in one of my relationships, I remember I really did a lot of work on my anger because I realized when you get angry, you know, and your anger is important and there's, it's saying something here needs to be addressed or paid attention to. But then when you get angry and you lash out, you pour like verbal lava over everybody around you, or you start throwing things and breaking things then what ends up happening is the conversation or the repair becomes about like damage control, like cleaning up the mess from the anger and everybody else's hurt. And then the original thing that you were angry about never gets addressed because you're too busy doing damage control. Yeah. That's, that's the trap that let's face it. Anger does work in getting people to respond. Right. And so the intent of it is really healthy. But the impact is often devastating. And as a therapist, how do we hold both? That your intent was to be heard, right? But the impact was people placate you. But at the end of the day, they want to get away from you because they don't want to be around the anger, the eggshells. But I had this the other day with my son. They went to a football practice where he wasn't given effort. He's got a lot of, you know, talent and he wasn't trying, you know. And so when I, you know, on a break, I was like, what is wrong with you? Like, get in there. Like, my anger blasted him. What do you think he did? I don't know. What did he do? Tried. Right? He went back in there. He made some plays. My anger worked. Right? And that's the problem with anger. In the short time, a lot of times it could work. But again, in the big picture, I'm having to make him scared or feel bad to try to motivate change, which I got to be able to get curious about myself. Why is that so important? What is this about him failing that brings such a quick, angry response from me, right? That's getting more specific, that my anger is trying to motivate him because underneath that, there's a fear that, you know, if he doesn't reach his potential, I'm failing him as a dad. I, I will feel bad watching that, right? So I'm trying to protect myself by using anger to motivate him, right? There's a whole lot there. But again, most of us don't grow up in families talking about this. So we're inviting listeners to just like, let's hang out here. You know, let's let's really try to understand. And most of the time it just moves too fast. You're going to have to do this afterwards to get curious about it. Yeah. And that's the key though, is to get curious. Like you said, get curious, really learn the lesson. Anger is data, right? It's telling you yeah. important information, but you have to get that data from it. And then really nobody's going to control your anger for you. It is up to you. So, you know, knowing what it's about the next time you come around to anger again, isn't necessarily going to be enough to cause you to do something differently. At the end of the day, you still have to be responsible. It's okay to be angry, but maybe it's not so effective or helpful if you lash out and hurt people or scare them away from you. Right in order to get them to move or react. So I love that getting flexibility over it is if I want to be heard, maybe there's another way to do it when I'm angry that doesn't involve hurting people. Well, what you were talking about, again, it's so important to help people recognize most people who get angry don't want to get angry. And they make promises to themselves that they're not going to get angry. And then they go get triggered and get angry. 
And then afterwards, everyone's focusing on their anger. And what's at the root of it is never really addressed. The person who's angry, who's wanting change, finds themselves stuck in this same trap over and over again, which it's helplessness, right? Which is so often an emotion underneath too. Anger means to move, right? Whenever we're feeling stuck and helpless, you better expect frustration and anger because the body wants to get out of this place. And yet the way it tries to get out makes it more likely you're going to find yourself right back in the same spot again. It's so true. And when, when my clients are dealing with anger in their cycle or in session, you know, sometimes they try to come up with a solution of, I just shouldn't get angry. And I'm like, no, no, that's not an option because you're a human. You're going to get angry. Things are going to trigger you. So it's not about not getting angry. It's about how do we do anger better so that we take the information from our anger. We know what it wants and we're able to get that in a way that again, is more effective that doesn't end up hurting people, but gets us closer to our target. Right. And I think the reframe, the change in the words on how we do that, let's get practical, right? The word anger tends to be too big and it tends to be focusing on what you're, you're, you're focusing on your partner. It tends not to be view of self. It tends to be view of other. So again, I want to start immediately trying to kind of change that word. Like, you know, so you want to be assertive. That's about you. That's trying to get you to stand up for yourself, right? You want to be heard. You're protesting, right? That's now getting people to stay with their own, you know, secondary emotion instead of focusing on the partner. I think that's my partner made me angry. It's my part. My partner just shouldn't make me angry. They just shouldn't do things that piss me off. If you didn't come home on time, if you didn't do this, if you didn't do that, my anger is all focused on you. And as a therapist, I can say, yeah, I can see George are frustrated. And, you know, Annabelle didn't come home. There's the trigger. So like, even right now, your anger is trying to do what? It's trying to get her attention. Now notice I've just shifted from focusing it on you to focusing on George me right and i think that's a critical shift when you work with anger you want people to stay with their view of self around Mm -hmm. the anger like once they're in that place and they're getting curious yeah i do want to be heard like i do want this attention because i want things to change they're focused on themselves then it's easier to drop into that more primary emotion but when somebody's brain is neurologically focused on the other it's really a hard leap to make to go to view of self and vulnerability too big of a job Yeah. So how do you help them make that? How do the therapist be able to shift when they have a client who's super angry and you know that they're like blaming and attacking their partner? How does how can the therapist help their partner help the angry person shift away from blaming the partner to view itself? You know, I think that quick validation of the focus on other, you know, yeah, I can hear your anger as your partner didn't come home and your partner promised to come home. So no wonder why. So even now, as you're talking about that, like your anger is just trying to say how unfair this is. It's trying to get us to just pay attention to the problem. Like, so you notice how in that shift, I validated the focus on the other and I pulled it in the direction of you itself. Yeah, it's right? Like get, yeah, it's the bridge. Yeah. It's like. I can, I can see how you want to focus on your partner. And then you start talking about the function and what it's starting to do. And it's like that function becomes the bridge. Like this is what your anger is really trying to accomplish right now. And then it's like, you keep walking on that bridge and you can go back to that view of self. 
And once you take them over the bridge, they're going to go back to focus on our partner, but it gets easier to pull them back again. So if you're like, yes, George, I do want to be heard because she doesn't listen. That's another problem. She just never listens. And I'm like, yeah, there you go again, Annabelle. Like she doesn't listen because you knew if she listened, things would be different. So right now your anger is just trying to, again, bring attention to what needs to change. So help me out with that anger right now. Where are you feeling it on your body? And boom, I'm right back. You know, so yeah, I like that image of a bridge. We're pulling them over a bridge, expecting them to leave because that's safe for the focus on the other. That's the whole point of anger a lot of time. And we want to pull it back in the direction of self. Yeah, I love that. That's brilliant. That really is brilliant. So kind of just to hit some of the key highlights here is really to kind of pay attention to self of the therapist here around anger, like what gets activated in you, the therapist in session when a client gets angry, whether they're focusing on their partner, you know, I've had a lot of therapists where maybe it reminds them of a family member, and then they want to jump in and protect the other partner. And then they end up leaving the angry partner out in the cold. And in, in couples therapy, we have to have an alliance with both people. So we can't be leaving anyone out in the cold. And there's that fear that if I validate your anger, it's like saying what you're doing is okay. And that's not the same. Yes. And again, I want therapists listen and it's it's not your fault we haven't done a good enough job of training therapists what to do with anger we show all these videotapes of people in vulnerability and things working that when when people get anger in their room they think they must be doing something wrong as a therapist no people this is what humans do right this is what we do in relationships and we just need to get better at helping each other know what to do in the moment because if you know what to do you don't have to have all those self and the therapist things going on inside of you right but if you can notice that and name it to get curious about it, you know, go to supervision. There's a lot of moves we can do that empower therapists how to lean in instead of doing whatever their action tendency is around their survival. Yes, yes. And so pay attention to that self the therapist, what comes alive inside of you, what move that brings up for you in the in the session and how that impacts the therapeutic alliance. And, you know, just you as a human being, whether you're a therapist who struggled with anger or you're a client of somebody on the street who just, you know, stumbled onto this video and is interested in, in how to work on their own anger is really trying to lean in and understand what the anger is trying to say, like the good reasons that your anger is there. And the more you can lean in and understand it even if it doesn't take place till after really trying to learn the lessons so that you can gain more and more. It's like kind of befriending your anger in a way that you can have more control over it. So when you befriend it, it becomes, yeah, it's like a good question. I'll I'll often tell people is if you can understand the function of your anger and you think about it working, what would your life look like? If your anger is your protest and you could communicate it and your partner would hear you and would take that information in and change their behaviors, what would that feel like? Boom. And they settle down, right? That's when you know you start to get the function of the anger, the good intent of the anger. Just because we get that doesn't mean we don't get the impact and how it usually doesn't work, right? But it's great to connect with something first before you try to fix it, before you try to go to another move. Yeah, because you're not going to be able to have control over those other moves if you don't befriend the anger first and find out what is it really trying to say? What is it trying to help me accomplish? And it's connecting to that first that gives us more flexibility. And at the end of the day, we're still accountable. If we 
do or say things in our anger that aren't even in line with who we want to be, nobody else is going to change that for us, right? We can't, we can't blame it on our partner and say, well, my partner made me angry. Your partner's a human being who's flawed and going to do things that don't make you happy, right? But that doesn't always mean that it's okay to do those things. But again, leaning in, understanding that anger, what is it trying to say, helps you have more flexibility and control as to how do I then achieve my my goal or accomplish what it's trying to do without maybe hurting other people. Cause then you don't want to have to clean up damage control with yeah. everything that happened during the anger. And then whatever it was, the original pain never gets dealt with. Yeah. And that's what we want is that anger is usually fighting for something to get attended to. So we nice. want it to respect it and give it its due it's due place. But if we're doing damage control, every time we get angry, then we never get respect for the pain that's embedded in that anger. And when we talk about trusting the process, if you really honor the function of anger, it, it serves its purpose, it should drop into something else, right? If it doesn't, you're missing something. I do escalated trainings all over the world. I try to get escalated couples, angry couples. And guess what happens when I do live sessions, they don't say angry. Because when you really are curious and you really want to understand someone's anger, you're meeting its function, it usually will shift to something else, yeah. right? And then when they drop into some primary emotion mm-hmm. and they exit back into protection and therapy goes, there you go again, Annabelle. I can feel your frustration rising. I mean, this seems so simple in your brain and your partner just don't get it. And now you're the one who has the burden and has to explain it. It feels so unfair. I hear you, Annabelle. Right. As soon as you name that person's nodding their head saying, yeah, you get it. Boom. And it drops again. Yes. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. How powerful. Yes. If you're not, if the anger is not dropping, you're missing something. There's something else there that we need to explore. Yeah. And it's dropping in like a a calming kind of sense. Because again, anger really wants to be heard and understood. You hear it and understand it. Usually it, it calms itself down because it's like, now I don't have to fight so hard to get my message through because you're hearing it. And then we can start to have a different conversation. Exactly. So I love that. Like anger is important and we don't want to talk people out of being angry or say, no, no, don't ever get angry. <laughs> just, just avoid anger because we know that's not realistic. Yes. And again, I don't want to, a lot of times I talk about anger and befriending it and how much the function and, you know, people then think, oh, it's, it's always this good thing. And, you know, we want to recognize the other extreme. If people are using anger and crosses a line and it turns to abuse and you can't create safety, it's about the most toxic thing that you could have in a relationship. And we need to be able to name that and to be able to put up boundaries around that, that, that that's, you know, it's like a good parent on the one hand, we want to love and have compassion and responsiveness. And the other hand, we need discipline and boundaries and consequences, right? So yeah. same in session as that safe attachment figure. I want to get curious. I want to kind of be empathetic towards the function of the anger. But if I need to put up a boundary, that also is, is going to be needed. Yeah, that's super important. Because again, if, if somebody is trying to lean in and understand their anger, but they're still not really doing their part in trying to exude any kind of flexibility or control over it and they just keep going and going and going you know it's it's okay to set that boundary and say you know what i respect that you're angry or you're in pain but it's not okay to hurt me and i i can't stay in this place where i'm going to be hurt control is a great word for anger 
a lot of people, that's the function of it. You know, it gives them a sense of control. It gives them a sense of, of, of agency and a sense of you know, that assertion and it works. So yeah, we want to, we want to get curious about that. That's the ironic thing about anger is it helps you feel in control, though a lot of times the way that you try to get in control couldn't look more out of control. On <laughs> that's that right. That's it's nice. so paradoxical. So, but at the end of the day, you know, what's the first stepping stone is let's lean in and start to understand and, um, you know, really not trying to talk people out of being human, but really trying to understand. So we have more control. We can do different things with it because that is the point at the end. So. Yeah. And it takes practice and you've yeah. never done this before. It's hard. No big deal. Just keep practicing. If you can't do it in session, then afterwards, just be that client. Say, huh, I wonder why this guy just kept being angry. I was trying to say it makes sense. I tried to validate, but he's still angry. I, what was I missing? Be that person and you'll probably start getting, start figuring it out. Yeah, that's great, George. So how can people find you? So if people are listening, George has a podcast called Four Play Radio. It's actually pretty spectacular. Him and Lori Watson, they do talk about sex and couples' sexual relationships and, and all things pertaining to sex. But they also talk about relationships. So um, you guys can find that wherever podcasts are, wherever you listen to your podcast for Play Radio. But George, if folks want to, maybe if they're an EFT therapist and they want to look you up and find wherever you might be doing a training at any point in time, or maybe they're a client that wants to work with you. How can they find you? Just go to my website, georgefowler.com. Another resource, Annabelle's involved in my project, the successandvulnerability.com. That's where we're really trying to train therapists what to do in session when anger comes for you. Like we need to be ready for, let's try validating. And if that works, it should drop. But if it don't work, you need to do this. I mean, we need more specific focus, help of micro moves of what to do in session. And that's really the spirit of that project. Yeah, wonderful. And I'll make sure that I put links to George's websites and his podcast in the description for this video on YouTube. And if you're listening on the radio, I mean, I think it's pretty easy, georgefowler.com. So F-A-L-L-E-R. He's also on Facebook. So you look, you can look him up there and follow him and give him a shout out. And if you're a therapist, definitely follow us. You can find both George and I, we work together on successinvulnerability.com. I also put the link to that in the description for this video. So thank you again, George, so much for being with us and helping us understand anger. And listen, Annabelle, keep harnessing that anger to righteously change the world. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you so much to our listeners. We hope that you found this really helpful and that it was enlightening and gave you some more information around anger. And we do hope that you'll look up George and you'll uh, scroll down to the description and click on some of the links. And in the meantime, just make sure that you hit subscribe because more videos are on the way. Don't forget to buy my book, Using Relentless Empathy in the Therapeutic Relationship, Connecting with Challenging and Resistant Clients, for helping professionals. Available on Amazon or on my website, www.drbugatti.com.